Hey guys, this is Rohit Kishor. Actually, uh, I'm going to start the audio book of uh, Indian Polity by M. Lakshmi Kant. I got this idea when uh, I was on the search of any audio book format of this M. Lakshmi Kant, so that I can revise the book while traveling or while walking. So from there, I got the idea to make a podcast on these books. I will also bring the same kind of podcast on other books like uh, a brief history of modern India, or we known it as a spectrum, and many more. So, starting the very first book that is Indian Polity by M. Lakshmi Kant. I hope you guys will like it and be with me. I will complete the whole book. I found many podcaster who started to narrate the book, but they didn't finish. But uh, I will promise you guys that uh, I will finish this whole book sooner or later. So I hope that you all support me and like this podcast. Thank you. We will begin from the next audio. Hey guys, welcome back again. Uh, from this audio we are going to start the very first chapter of am lakshmi kant which is named as historical background so the british in uh, the british came to india in 1600 as traders in the form of east india company which had the exclusive right of trading in india under a charter guaranteed by queen elizabeth in 1765 the company which till now had purely trading functions obtained the diwani rights of bengal bihar and odisha this started its career as a territorial power in 1858 in the wake of sepoy mutiny the british crown assumed direct responsibility for the governance of india this rule continued until india was granted independence on august 15 1947 with independence came the need for a constitution hence a constitution assembly was formed for this purpose in 1946 and on january 26 1950 the constitution came into being however various features of indian constitution and polity have their roots in the british rule there were certain events in the british rule that laid down the legal framework for the organization and functioning of the government and administration in british india these events have greatly influenced our constitution and polity they are explained here in a chronolog- chronological order under two major headings The very first one is the company rule, which started in 1773 and lasted to 1858. The second one is the crown rule, which started in 1858 and lasted till 1947, when India got its independence. Hey guys, welcome back again. From this audio, we are going to talk about the company rule. 
there are few acts came in this company rule the very first one was regulating act of 1773 this act was of great constitutional importance as it was the first step taken by british government to control and regulate the affairs of the east india company in india it recognized for the first time the political and administrative functions of the company and it laid the foundation of central administration in india now let the uh, let us know the features of this act the very first one is it designated the governor of bengal as the governor general of bengal and created an executive council of four members to assist him the first such governor general was warren hastings second it made the governors of bombay and madras presidencies as subordinate to the governor general of bengal unlike earlier when their three presidencies were independent of one another third it provided for the establishment of a supreme court at calcutta in 1774 comprising one chief justice and three other judges fourth it prohibited the servant of company from engaging in any private trade or accepting presents or bribes from the natives fifth it strengthened the control of british government over the company by requiring the court of directors to report on its revenue civil and military affairs in india this was the first act what was bringed by the british government in england not in india so basically this act was bringed in the uk parliament but was implemented on the eic of india that is east india company of india thank you okay the second act what was bringing under the company rule was amending act of 1781 it was not that much important but we should know about this in a bid to rectify the defects of the regulating act of 1773 the british parliament passed the amending act of 1781 which is also came to known as the act of settlement now the features of this act was the very first one it exempted the governor general and the council from the jurisdiction of the supreme court for the act done by them in their official capacity similarly it also exempted the servants of company from the jurisdiction of the supreme court for their official actions second feature it excluded the revenue matter and the matter arising in the collection of revenue from the jurisdiction of the supreme court third feature it provided that the supreme court was to have jurisdiction over all the inhabitants of calcutta it also required the court to administer the penal laws that is hindus were to be tried according to the hindu law 
and Muslims were to be tried according to the Muhammadan laws. Fourth feature, it laid down the appeal from the provincial courts could be taken to the Governor General in Council and not to the Supreme Court. Fifth feature, it empowered the Governor General in Council to frame regulations for the provincial courts and councils. The third uh, act uh, under the company rule was Pitts India Act of 1784. It got its name because the William Pitts, the PM of UK at that time, he tabled this bill. So from the, that incidence, this bill got the name of Pitts India Act. This is the next important act uh, in this company rule. Now the features of this act is the very first one. It distinguished between the commercial and political functions of the company. Second, it allowed the court of directors to manage the commercial affairs but created a new body called board of control to manage the political affairs. Thus, it established a system of double government. So the term we read double government started from this act. Third feature. It empowered the Board of Control to supervise and direct all operations of the civil and military government or revenue of the British position in India. So these were three main features. Thus uh, the act significant for two reasons. The very first one is the company's territory in India were for the first time called the British position in India. And the second. The British government was given the supreme control over company's affairs and its administration in India. So what we are seeing is that uh, by every act, the UK parliament is somehow tightening the affairs of EIC. Now the next act is the act of 1786. In 1786, when Cornwallis was appointed as the Governor General of Bengal, he placed two demands to accept the post. What was those two demands? The very first one is, he should be given power to override the decision of his council in special cases. What council? The Governor General in Council, what we read in the previous acts. Second condition. He would also be the Commander-in-Chief, Commander-in-Chief of the military of EIC in India. So accordingly, the Act of 1786 was enacted to make both the provisions for the Cornwallis. So from this, he appointed as the Governor-General of Bengal. Uh, from upcoming video, we will read about three main Charter Act scheme. Uh, we will cover one by one so be with us and please like the audio so next act which came into the being is charter act of 1793 now here there are mainly four charter act uh, 
टेबल्ड बाई द यू के पार्लियामेंट एंड पास बाई यू के पार्लियामेंट अब दे ऑल कम एट द इंटरवल ऑफ ट्वेंटी ईयर्स सो यू कैन इजली रिमेंबर दिस चार्टर एक्ट एज बाई दियर ईयर्स लाइक द वेरी फर्स्ट वन केम इन सेवनटीन नाइन्टी थ्री द सेकेंड वन इन एटीन and after that in 1857 the revolt happens so the uk government stop introducing the charter act so we will read the first two charter act in this audio now the very first charter act was the charter act of 1793 the features of this acts were very first one it extended the overriding power given to cornwallis over his council to all future governor generals and governor of presidencies second feature it gave the governor general more power and control over the government of the subordinate presidencies of bombay and madras third feature it extended the trade monopoly of company in india for another period of 20 years so what we read the charter act came after every 20 years started from this act the fourth feature it provided that the commander in chief was not to be a member of governor general's council unless he was so appointed fifth and last feature it laid down that the member of the board of control and their staff were henceforth to be paid out of the indian revenues so they stopped giving salary to the board of control from the uk's revenue they from this act they start giving the salary and all the expenditure of the board of control from indian revenue the second charter act it was introduced in 1813 the features follows as the very first one it abolished the trade monopoly of the company in india that is the indian trade was thrown open to all british merchants not limited to the eic only however it continued the monopoly of the company over trade in tea and trade with china so only two sectors were in the hands of eic the other sectors were thrown open for all british merchants now second feature it asserted the sovereignty of british crown over the company's territory in india third it allowed the christian missionaries to come to india for the purpose of enlightening the people so the christian missionaries from british means the from uk came under this act fourth feature it provided for the spread of western education among the inhabitants of the british territory of india so the english language was start teaching in from this act fifth feature it authorized the local government in india to impose taxes on person they could also punish the person for not paying those tax okay so we have covered the first two charter act We will cover the another charter act from upcoming audio. Thank you. From this audio, we will read about the next charter act, which is the Charter Act of eighteen thirty three. 
which was bringed after the 20 years interval of charter act of 1813 so this act was the final step towards centralization in british india now let's read the features of this act the very first one it made the governor general of bengal as the governor general of india and vested in him all civil and military powers thus the act created for the first time government of india having authority over the entire territorial area possessed by the british in india now lord william benting was the person who was firstly appointed as the governor general of india so who was the first governor general of india it was william benting second feature it deprived the governor of bombay and madras of their legislative powers the governor general of india was given exclusive legislative power for the entire british india the laws made under the previous acts were called as regulations while the laws made under this act were called as acts not regulations third feature it ended the activities of the east india company as a commercial body which became a purely administrative body now it provided that the company's territory in india were held by its it in trust for his majesty his heirs and successors so not to the eic but to the on the name of his majesty fourth feature the charter act of 1833 attempted to introduce a system of open competition for the selection of civil servants and stated that the indians should not be debarred from holding any place office and employment under the company however this provisions was negated after opposition of the court of directors so from this act the uk parliament tried to introduce laws for the miss indians the local indians so that they can easily participate in the competition for the post of the civil servants in the company's affairs but uh, of course the court of director didn't want so because if the indians were in the council of course they will put their decisions or they will influence the group somehow so they just rejected this idea the next and the last charter act was introduced in 1853 this was the last of the series of charter act passed by the british parliament between 1793 and 1853 it was a significant constitutional landmark so we have read about the four charter acts this was this is the last one the other three was of 1793 1813 and 1833 now let read the features of this charter act of 1853 the very first one it separated for the first time the legislative and executive functions of the governor general's council it provided for addition of six new members 
called legislative councillors to the council in other words it established a separate governor general's legislative council which came to be known as the indian legislative council or indian central legislative council this legislative wing of council functioned as a mini parliament adopting the same procedure as the british parliament thus legislation for the first time was treated as a special function of the government requiring special machineries and special process second feature it introduced an open competition system for selection and recruitment of civil servants the convenented civil service was thus thrown open to indians also accordingly the macaulay committee was appointed in 1854 to look out for this so what we read in last charter act that it was attempted to bring such law but in this charter act they introduced so the third feature it extended the company's rule and allowed it to retain the position of indian territories on trust for the british crown but it did not specify any particular period unlike the previous charters this was a clear indication that the company's rule could be terminated at any time the parliament like fourth feature it introduced for the first time local representation of the indian central legislative council of the six new legislative members of governor general's councils four members were appointed by locals means provincial governments of madras bombay bengal and agra so basically here we completed the company rule from next audio we will read about the crown rule actually what happened in uh, after this 1853 in 1857 the sepoy mutiny happened and uh, the uk parliament have taken the direct control over the british territory or the territorial position of east india company so in 18 after the 1857 in 1858 they bring the government of india act of 1858 which was also known about known as the good governance act of india so from that act they took the direct control and it brings an end to the company rule of india so that's all about the company rule from next audio we will read about the crown rule thank you hey guys welcome back again uh from previous audios we have completed all about the company's rule in india and what are the provisions uh, bring at their time so from this audio we are going to start the crown rule which was started in 1858 after the sepoy mutiny of 1857 and lasted till 1947 when india got independence so uh, there are few acts uh, i like to name all of them the very first one was government of india act of 1858 the second one indian council act of 1861 then indian council act of 1892 then indian council act of 1909 then government of in- government of india act 
then again the government of india act of 1935 and the last one which was indian indians act of 1947 so we are going to read all of it so be with us thank you hey guys from uh, this audio we are going to read about the first act of the crown, crown rule uh, which was government of india act of 1858 this significant act was enacted in the wake of revolt of 1857 which also came to known as the first war of independence or sepoy mutiny this act also known as the act for the good government of india this act abolished the east india company and transferred the powers of government territories and revenue to the british crown now let's read the features of this act the very first one it provided that india henceforth was to be governed by and in the name of her majesty it changed the designation of governor general of india to the viceroy of india the viceroy was the direct representative of british crown in india now who was the first viceroy of india it was lord canning second feature it ended the system of double government by abolishing the board of control and the court of directors third feature it created a new office came to known as secretary of its for india vested with complete authority and control over indian administration the secretary of state was a member of british cabinet and was responsible ultimately to the british parliament fourth feature it established a 15 member council of india to assist the secretary of state for india the council was an advisory body The Secretary of State was made the chairman of the council. Fifth feature. It constituted the Secretary of State in council as a body corporate capable of suing and being sued in India and in England. These were the features of this act. Now the act of 1858 was however largely confined to the improvement of administrative machinery by which the indian government was to be supervised and controlled in england it did not alter in any substantial way the system of government that prevailed in india so this was all about the government of india act in upcoming audio we will read about the indian council acts thank you Hey guys welcome back again from this audio we will read about the indian council acts uh, there were mainly three indian council acts proposed and passed in uk parliament the first was in 1861 second in 1892 and third in uh, 1909 so after the great revolt of 1857 the british government felt the necessity of seeking the cooperation of the indians in the administration of their country In pursuance of this policy of association three acts were enacted by the British Parliament in 1861 1892 and 
दिस थ्री एक्ट्स वेर केम टू नोन एज द इंडियन काउंसिल एक्ट्स द इंडियन काउंसिल एक्ट ऑफ एटीन सिक्सटी वन इज एन इम्पॉर्टेंट लैंडमार्क इन द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशनल एंड पोलिटिकल हिस्ट्री ऑफ इंडिया नाउ लेटस रीड अबाउट द फीचर्स ऑफ दिस एक्ट द वेरी फर्स्ट वन इट मेड अ बिगिनिंग ऑफ द रिप्रेजेंटेटिव इंस्टीट्यूशन बाई एसोसिएटिंग इंडियंस विद द लॉ मेकिंग प्रोसेस इट थर्स प्रोवाइडेड दैट द वॉइस रेस शुड नॉमिनेट सम इंडियंस एज नन ऑफिशियल मेम्बर्स ऑफ हिज एक्सपैंडेड काउंसिल इन एटीन सिक्सटी टू दिस लॉर्ड कैनिंग देन द वॉइस रॉय नॉमिनेटेड थ्री इंडियंस टू हिज लेजिस्लेटिव काउंसिल द राजा ऑफ बनारस द महाराजा ऑफ पटियाला एंड सर दिनकर राव सो दीज वे द्री इंडियंस विच फर्स्टली रिप्रेजेंटेटेड इंडिया इन ब्रिटिश काउंसिल सेकेंड प्रोविजन इट इनिशिएटेड द प्रोसेस ऑफ डिसेंट्रलाइजेशन बाई रिस्टोरिंग द लेजिस्लेटिव पावर्स टू द बॉम्बे एंड मद्रास प्रेसिडेंसीज इट थर्स रिवर्स द सेंट्रलाइजिंग टेंडेंसी डेट स्टार्टेड फ्रॉम द रेगुलेटिंग एक्ट ऑफ सेवनटीन सेवेंटी थ्री एंड रिच इट क्लाइमेक्स अंडर द चार्टर एक्ट ऑफ एटीन थर्टी थ्री This policy of legislative devolution resulted in the grant of almost complete internal autonomy to the provinces in 1937. So basically, in company rule, they were having the tendency of centralizing powers, but in this crown rule, they were decentralizing their powers by every act. Okay. So the third feature of this act was. it also provided for the establishment of new legislative council for bengal northwestern provinces and punjab which were established in 1862 1886 and 1880 uh, sorry 1897 respectively means the bengal was established in 1862 northwestern provinces in 1886 and punjab in 1897 the fourth feature it empowered the viceroy to make rules and orders for the more convenient transaction of business in the council it also gave a recognition to the portfolio system introduced by lord canning in 1859 so the portfolio system was introduced by lord canning in 1859 under this a member of viceroy's council was made in charge of one or more department of the government and was authorized to issue final orders on behalf of the council on matters of his department fifth provision it empowered the viceroy to issue ordinances without the concurrence of legislative council during an emergency the life of such an ordinance was 6 months only So here we covered the very first Indian Council Act. Thank you. Let's read the second Indian Council Act of 1892. The first one was of 1861. It was the second one in 1892. Now directly came about the features of this act. The very first one was. it increased the number of additional non official members in the central and provincial legislative councils 
but maintain the official majority in them second feature it increased the functions of legislative councils and gave them the power of discussing the budget and addressing questions to the executives third feature it provided for the nomination of some non official members of the central legislative council by the viceroy on the recommendation of the provincial legislative councils and the chamber of commerce and that of the provincial legislative council by the governors on the recommendation of district boards municipalities universities trade association zamindars and chambers so basically from this act they bring the type of indirect election for the first time in india these were the main features of this indian council act of 1892 the act made a limited and indirect provisions for the use of election in filling up some of the non official seats both in the central as well as in provincial legislative councils the word election was uh, however not used in this act the process was described as nomination made on the recommendation of certain bodies so this is all about the indian council act of 1892 thank you In this audio we are going to read about the next Indian Council Act which was in 1909 and it was the last of its kind of act. So this act is also came to known as the Morley Minto reforms. Why? Because this two persons Morley and Minto they were mainly associated with this act. So this Morley was then the secretary of state for India in UK parliament. and the lord minto was the then viceroy of india now came about the features of this act the very first one is it considerably uh, increased the size of legislative council both in central as well as provincial the number of members in the central legislative council was raised from 16 to 60 the number of members in provincial legislative council was not uniform it was depend upon the this population and they have the territory second feature it retained official majority in the central legislative council but allowed the provincial legislative councils to have non official majority so uh, we can see that from this act the provinces got a bit autonomy next the third provision it enlarged the deliberative functions of the legislative council at both at both the levels means the or the central and the provincials for example members were allowed to ask supplementary questions move resolutions on the budget and so on the fourth feature it provided for the first time for the association of indians with the executive council of viceroy and governors so satyendra uh, so satyendra prasad sinha became the first indian to join the viceroy's council or viceroy's executive council he was appointed as a law member fifth provision it introduced a system of communal representation for muslims 
by accepting the concept of separate electorate under this the muslim members were to be elected only by muslim voters thus the act legalized communalism and lord minto came to be known as the father of communal electorate so who was known as the father of communal electorate it was lord minto and for the first by this act this separate electorate the concept of separate electorate came into being the last provision of this act was it also provided for the separate representation of presidencies corporations chamber of commerce universities and zamindars thank you that's all previous audios we have already read about the indian council act so from this audio we will read about the government of india act on august 20 1917 the british government declared for the first time that its objective was the gradual introduction of responsible government in india the government of india act of 1990s was thus enacted which came into force in 1921 so remember this fact it was enacted in 1919 but came into force in 1921 this act is also known as montagu gems for reforms why again the same reason the montagu was the secretary for the states for india and the gems for was the viceroy of india now let read the features of this act the very first one is it relaxed the central control over the provinces by demarcating and separating the central and provincial subjects the central and provincial legislation were authorized to make law on their respective list of subjects however the structure of government continued to be centralized and unitary so what we see now about this uh, a state list concurrent list central list this all came from this act second provision it further divided the provincial subjects into two parts transferred and reversed the transferred subjects were to be administered by the governor with the aid of ministers responsible to the legislative council and the reversed reserved subjects on the other hand were to be administered by the governor and his executive council without being responsible to the legislative council this dual system of governance was also came to known as diarchy a term derived from the greek word diarchy which means double rule however this experiment was largely unsuccessful third provision it introduced for the first time bicameralism and direct election in the country so from this act the states got the legislative assembly and means uh, generally say vidhan sabha and vidhan parishad council and uh, assembly thus the indian legislative council was replaced by bicameral legislation consisting of an upper house the council of states and a lower house the legislative assembly 
the majority of members of both the houses were chosen by direct elections fourth provision it required that three of the six members of viceroy's executive council other than commander in chief were to be indian fifth it extended the principle of communal representation by providing separate electorate for six indian christians anglo indians and europeans so what the minto started continued in this act sixth provision it granted franchise to a limited number of people on the basis of property tax and education seventh provision it created a new office of high commissioner for india in london and transferred to him some of the functions hitherto performed by the secretary of state for india so basically we can say to the to help the secretary of state for india they established a new office which came to known as the high commissioner of india high commissioner for india sorry eighth provision it provided for the establishment of a public service commission hence a central public service commission was set up in 1926 for recruiting civil servants ninth provision it separated for the first time provincial budget from the central budget and authorized the provincial legislature to enact their budget 10th provision and the last provision it provided for the appointment of a statutory commission to inquire into and report on its working after 10 years of it coming into force so from this provision the simon commission forms which we will read about in upcoming videos for this audio thank you jai hind the next important act is the government of india act of 1935 the act marked a second milestone toward a completely responsible government in india it was a lengthy and detailed document having 321 sections and 10 schedules so basically our constitutional derived many things from this act so this act is very important for us now came to uh, let us read about the features of this act the very first one it provided for the establishment of an all india federation consisting of provinces and princely states as units the act divided the power between the center and units in term of three list federal list for center with 59 item second provincial list for providence with 54 items and the concurrent list for both with 36 item decisory powers were given to the viceroy however the federation never came into being as the princely states did not join it second feature it abolished diarchy in the provinces and introduced provincial autonomy in its place the provinces were allowed to act as autonomous unit of administration in their defined spheres moreover the act introduced responsible government in provinces that is 
द गवर्नर वॉज रिक्वायर्ड टू एक्ट विद द एडवाइस ऑफ मिनिस्टर्स रिस्पॉन्सिबल टू द प्रोविंशियल लेजिस्लेचर दिस केम इन टू इफेक्ट इन नाइनटीन थर्टी सेवन एंड वॉज डिसकंटिन्यूड इन नाइनटीन थर्टी नाइन प्रोविजन इट प्रोवाइडेड फॉर द अडोपन ऑफ डायरकी एट द सेंटर कॉन्सिक्वेंटली द फेडरल सब्जेक्ट्स वर डिवाइडेड इन टू रिजर्व सब्जेक्ट एंड ट्रांसफर्ड सब्जेक्ट्स हावेवर दिस प्रोविजन ऑफ द एक्ट डिड नॉट केम इन टू ऑपरेशन एट ऑल फोर्थ प्रोविजन इट इंट्रोड्यूस्ड बाई कैमरलिज्म इन सिक्स आउट ऑफ इलेवन प्रोविनसेज दस द लेजिस्लेचर ऑफ बंगाल बॉम्बे मद्रास बिहार आसाम एंड द यूनाइटेड प्रोविडेंस वर मेड बाई कैमरल कंसिस्टिंग ऑफ ए लेजिस्लेटिव काउंसिल एंड अ लेजिस्लेटिव असेंबली हावेबर मेनी रेस्ट्रिक्शंस वर प्लेस्ड ऑन देम सो वट वी हैव लर्न अर्लियर अबाउट दिस बाई कैमरलिज्म द अपर हाउस एंड द लोअर हाउस मीन्स द विधानसभा एंड विधान परिषद केम इन ऑफिशियली फ्रॉम दिस एक्ट द नेक्स्ट प्रोविजन विच इज फिफ्थ प्रोविजन it further extended the principle of communal representation by providing separate electorate for depressed class which is named, came to known as scheduled caste women and laborers also sixth provision it abolished the council of india established by the government of india act of 1858 the secretary of, of state for india was provided with a team of advisers Seventh provision, it extended franchise. About ten percent of total population got the voting rights. So from earlier this act, only few percent of the population were allowed to vote. But from this act, the ten percent of total population were allowed to vote now. Eighth provision, it provided for the establishment of a Reserve Bank of India. to control the currency and credit of the country so the concept of reserve bank of india came from this act even the rbi was formed uh, by this act next ninth provision it provided for the establishment of not only a federal public service commission but also a, a provincial public service commission and a joint public service commission for two or more states so now what we see the upsc is in center and the state PT pcs was of federal characters and uh, means the provincial characters and uh, even if two state want they can jointly launch a new public service commission so this all provisions comes from this act the 10th and the last provision was it provided for the establishment of a federal court which was set up in 19 37 so this was all about the government of india act now after this we will read about the india independence act in 1947 after which the india got its independence thank you the next important act is the government of india act of 1935 the act marked a second milestone toward a completely responsible government in india It was a lengthy and detailed document having 321 sections and 10 schedules. 
सो बेसिकली आवर कॉन्स्टिट्यूशनल डिराइव मेनी थिंग्स फ्रॉम दिस एक्ट सो दिस एक्ट इज़ वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट फॉर अस नाउ केम टू लेट अस रीड अबाउट द फीचर्स ऑफ दिस एक्ट द वेरी फर्स्ट वन इट प्रोवाइडेड फॉर द इस्टेब्लिशमेंट ऑफ एन ऑल इंडिया फेडरेशन consisting of provinces and princely states as units the act divided the power between the center and units in term of three list federal list for center with 59 item second provincial list for providence with 54 items and the concurrent list for both with 36 item decisory powers were given to the viceroy however the federation never came into being as the princely states did not join it second feature it abolished diarchy in the provinces and introduced provincial autonomy in its place the provinces were allowed to act as autonomous unit of administration in their defined spheres moreover the act introduced responsible government in provinces that is the governor was required to act with the advice of ministers responsible to the provincial legislature this came into effect in 1937 and was discontinued in 1939 third provision it provided for the adoption of diarchy at the center consequently the federal subjects were divided into reserved subject and transferred subjects however this provision of the act did not came into operation at all fourth provision it introduced bicameralism in 6 out of 11 provinces thus the legislature of bengal bombay madras bihar assam and the united provinces were made bicameral consisting of a legislative council and a legislative assembly however many restrictions were placed on them so what we have learned earlier about this bicameralism the upper house and the lower house means the vidhan sabha and vidhan parishad came in officially from this act the next provision which is fifth provision it further extended the principle of communal representation by providing separate electorate for depressed class which is named, came to known as scheduled caste women and laborers also sixth provision it abolished the council of india established by the government of india act of 1858 the secretary of state for india was provided with a team of advisers seventh provision it extended franchise about 10% of total population got the voting rights so from earlier this act only few percent of the population were allowed to vote but from this act the 10% of total population were allowed to vote now its provision it provided for the establishment of a reserve bank of india to control the currency and credit of the country so the concept of reserve bank of india came from this act even the rbi was formed uh, by this act next ninth provision it provided for the establishment of not only a federal public service commission but also a 
provincial public service commission and a joint public service commission for two or more states so now what we see the upsc is in center and the state PT pcs was of federal characters and uh, means the provincial characters and uh, even if two state want they can jointly launch a new public service commission so this all provisions comes from this act the 10th and the last provision was it provided for the establishment of a federal court which was set up in 1937 so this was all about the government of india act now after this we will read about the india independence act in 1947 after which the india got its independence thank you the next important act is the government of india act of 1935 The act marked a second milestone toward a completely responsible government in India. It was a lengthy and detailed document having 321 sections and 10 schedules. So basically our constitutional derived many things from this act. So this act is very important for us. Now came to uh, let us read about the features of this act. The very first one it provided for the establishment of an all india federation consisting of provinces and princely states as units the act divided the power between the center and units in term of three list federal list for center with 59 item second provincial list for provinces with 54 items and the concurrent list for both with 36 items decidedly powers were given to the viceroy however the federation never came into being as the princely states did not join it second feature it abolished diarchy in the provinces and introduced provincial autonomy in its place the provinces were allowed to act as autonomous unit of administration in their defined spheres moreover the act introduced responsible government in provinces that is the governor was required to act with the advice of ministers responsible to the provincial legislature this came into effect in 1937 and was discontinued in 1939 third provision it provided for the adoption of diarchy at the center consequently the federal subjects were divided into reserved subject and transferred subjects however this provision of the act did not came into operation at all fourth provision it introduced bicameralism in six out of 11 provinces thus the legislature of bengal bombay madras bihar assam and the united provinces were made bicameral consisting of a legislative council and a legislative assembly however many restrictions were placed on them so what we have learned earlier about this bicameralism the upper house and the lower house means the vidhan sabha and vidhan parishad came in officially from this act the next provision which is fifth provision it further extended the principle of communal representation 
by providing separate electorate for depressed class which is came to known as scheduled class women and laborers also sex provision it abolished the council of india established by the government of india act of 1858 the secretary of state for india was provided with a team of advisers seventh provision it extended franchise about 10% of total population got the voting rights so from earlier this act only few percent of the population were allowed to vote but from this act the 10% of total population were allowed to vote now its provision it provided for the establishment of a reserve bank of india to control the currency and credit of the country so the concept of reserve bank of india came from this act even the rbi was formed uh, by this act next ninth provision it provided for the establishment of not only a federal public service commission but also a, a provincial public service commission and a joint public service commission for two or more states so now what we see the upsc is in center and the state PT pcs was of federal characters and uh, means the provincial characters and uh, even if two state want they can jointly launch a new public service commission so this all provisions comes from this act the 10th and the last provision was it provided for the establishment of a federal court which was set up in 1937 so this was all about the government of india act now after this we will read about the india independence act in 1947 after which the india got its independence thank you hey guys in this audio we will read about the last act under the crown rule which was indian independence act of 1947 this was the last act uh, introduced in british parliament under the crown rule for indian territory okay on february 20 1947 the british prime minister clement attlee remember this name clement attlee declared that the british rule in india would end by june 30 1948 after which the power would be transferred to responsible indian hands this announcement was followed by the agitation by the muslim league demanding partition of the country again on june 3 1947 the british government made it clear that any constitution framed by the constituent assembly of india which was formed in 1946 cannot apply to those part of country which we are unwilling to accept it on the same day means on june 3rd 1947 the mount beaton the viceroy of india put forth the partition plan also came to known about as mount beaton plan the plan was accepted by the congress and the muslim league immediate effect was given to the plan by enacting the indian independence act of 1947 now came to know about this features of this uh, independence act of 1947 the very first one 
it ended the british rule in india and declared india as an independent and sovereign state from 15th of august 1947 second it provided for the partition of india and creation of two independence dominations of india and pakistan with the right to cede from the british commonwealth third it abolished the office of viceroy and provided for each domination dominion a governor general who was uh, to be appointed by british king on the advice of dominion cabinet his majesty's government in britain uh, was to have no responsibility with respect to the government of india or pakistan fourth provision it empowered the constituent assemblies of the two dominion to frame and adopt any constitution for their respective nations and to repeal any act of british parliament including the independence act itself fifth provision it empowered the constituent assemblies of both the dominions to legislate for their respective territories till the new constitution were drafted and enforced no act of the british parliament passed after august 15 1947 was to extend to either of new dominions unless it was extended thereby by a law of the legislature of the dominion sixth provision it abolished the office of secretary of state for india and transferred his function to secretary of state for commonwealth affairs seventh provision it proclaimed the lapse of british paramountcy over the indian princely states and treaties relation with tribal areas from august 15 1947 eighth provision it granted freedom to the indian princely states either to join the dominion of india or dominion of pakistan or to remain independent ninth provision it provided for the governance of each of dominion and the provinces by government of india act of 1935 till the new constitution were framed the dominions were however authorized to make modifications in the act 10th provision it deprived the british monarch of his right to veto bills or ask for reservation of certain bills for his approval but this right was reversed reserved for the governor general the governor general would have full power to assent to any bill in the name of his majesty 11th provision it designated the governor general of india and the provincial governor as constitutional head of the states they were made to act on the advice of respective council of minister in all matters 12th provision it dropped the title of emperor of india from the royal title of king of england 13th provision it discontinued the appointment of civil service and reservation of post by the secretary of state for india the members of civil service appointed before august 15 1947 would continue to enjoy all benefits that they were entitled to 
till that time so these were few main features of this act now at the stroke of midnight 14 or 15 august 1947 the british rule came to an end and power was transferred to two new independent dominions of india and pakistan lord mountbatten became the first governor general of the new dominion of india new dominion means the free india the independent india he swore in jawaharlal nehru as the first prime minister of independent india the constituent assembly of india formed in 1946 became the parliament of the indian dominion so here the chapter 1 which is historical background ends and i hope you all will like it we will continue further with next chapter from next audio thank you jai hind